Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Freakland contributor to the show from CBSSports.com, Colin Ward-Henninger. Good enough to jump aboard with me. Colin, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, man. I can't believe it. We're, we're in the conference finals. This thing, the end is in sight, whether you believe it or not. It is, but that's one of the reasons why I have you on, because the world keeps spinning. After we crown a champion, yes, coaches are already being hired in new places and being fired. And like, there is no real downtime to an NBA season anymore, including tonight where the Suns and Clippers are doing battle in game number four. Uh, I, I, I kind of... Uh, picked the Suns before this series started. I said I thought the Suns were one of the more underrated teams when the playoffs began, and they're living up to that. But you knew the Clippers were going to win game three, didn't you? They, they've shown it three series in a row now. They like to dig themselves a hole and then dig themselves back out again. So that was, even with Kawhi out of the lineup, that was a pretty good, easy game to hand, handicap, even with CP3 going back into the Phoenix lineup, wasn't it? Isn't this a weird position that we're in where we're looking at the Clippers as this scrappy, underdog, gritty, come-from-behind team? I mean, this is the same team that was just getting absolutely railed last year after they blew that 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. Uh, You know, Reggie Jackson is playing like a superstar. They've got role players stepping in, and Paul George has erased any of that pandemic P stuff that was going on in the bubble. So, uh, I mean, you can't say enough about the Clippers. I grew up in L.A., So to see them get to the conference finals for the first time in franchise history and do it in this way with their best player sidelined, with all these guys stepping up, Terrence Mann coming out of nowhere, uh, it's been beautiful to watch. That being said, uh, Phoenix has the better team on paper. I I don't think there's any doubt about that with Kawhi Leonard out. Now, if he comes back, that's a different story. But the Clippers have been extremely cryptic about that injury. So um, on paper, you know, you got to believe that that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are going to find their rhythm and, and start to play a little bit better. But I think we're in line for a long series here. The Clippers have proven that they're not going to quit. Right. And at some point they may get Kawhi back, even though, as you say, they're kind of hiding Kawhi's availability in the life and even people questioning where he's watching the game when he's not playing. When Kawhi comes back, he's going to come back. And if they get him back, yes, it will certainly help the, the Clippers chances. We'll see if they're still in the position to use that uh, in this series or if we advance even further. Uh, again, patting myself on the back here. Uh, last night's game I thought was very predictable as well. And I watched the Hawks take out the 76ers last round in an upset I did not see coming. And I uh, certainly appreciate what they've already accomplished, which has been phenomenal in the first two rounds. And then they go in and win game one in Milwaukee, so no one should be surprised anymore. But something had to happen. So the Bucks had to come through in game number two, and the Hawks had to come back down to earth 
in last night's blowout, which one was it more? The fact that the Bucks showed that they are the team that is the favorite to go to the NBA final or that this run that the Hawks were on just couldn't last? I mean, that's a great question. And there's no doubt that the Hawks came out and, and were not ready for that game. Uh, they got absolutely blitzed. Uh, Milwaukee was hungry. But I'm going to say that the, that the Bucks were the aggressor there. It wasn't just the Hawks playing poorly. And, and namely, it's the thing that Mike Budenholzer has been criticized about year in and year out in the playoffs. He made adjustments. He wasn't allowing Trey Young to just play against that drop coverage. They were sending Brooke Lopez much higher on the pick and rolls. They were bringing the guys in, the wings, from the sidelines into the paint to stop Trey Young from getting those lobs and those floaters and saying, hey, if you want to kick out the shooters, we'll live with it. And honestly, the Bucks are so long and so aggressive. Those passing, passing lanes to shooters weren't open either. So I think, obviously, the Hawks turned the ball over a ton. Part of that is their own fault. Part of that is the Bucks' defense. But I think the Bucs did what they needed to do in terms of showing Trey Young a different look, saying, hey, look, you're not going to go out and get 48 points every single night and shimmy on our home floor, all right? We're going to make it a little more difficult on you, and they certainly did that. Now it's up to the Hawks to make an adjustment and probably will come from those players outside of that pick and roll, getting a little more action, a little more shots. And the key guy for me, at least in watching it last night, my estimation, on the Buck defense event was Brooke Lopez, as you mentioned, jumping out and pressuring and uh, playing defense 28 feet from the hoop, which you don't usually see a seven-footer do, but he did and did it well. And, man, I remember the Brooke Lopez that played with the Nets, and there was no defense like that being played. You'd stand back in the lane and maybe rim protect a little bit, but he was never that kind of defensive player. Where did that come from? Yeah, he went from being a, a post-up center who couldn't play defense to being a three-point shooter who's in the running for the defensive player of the year every year. I mean, he, this is the NBA. Who knows? I mean, credit to him for, uh, you know, I, I think partly it's finding a system where Mike Budenholzer said, hey, look, you can drop. Like, like what we saw all year long, what we saw in the playoffs the last two seasons, uh, Brooke Lopez doesn't have to be that guy where he's chasing guards around on the perimeter. They let him drop. They let their length and their versatility uh, play for them on defense. But as you said, when he's called upon, Brooke Lopez, it's mostly that energy. Like you saw it. He's just waving his hands around, getting in people's face. Even in game one, he was kind of tapping Trey Young on the shoulder just to bother him. Uh, that's what they need. They need that aggressiveness, and they need that fire from Brooke Lopez. So credit to him for transforming his game to, to stay relevant in the modern NBA. All right, one more thing on this uh, series, and then I want to get into the coaching carousel. Damn, there was a lot of movement this week in the NBA. Um, it's becoming a bigger story, it seems like, with every passing game. The fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo, when he goes to the line, takes anywhere from 9 to 12 seconds to get his shot up. The NBA rule is 10. It's one of those rules where it just doesn't seem like it's enforced I've never seen a referee step in and blow a whistle on a guy who took too long. Um, the opposition is making a big deal out of this. When we get back to Atlanta, I guarantee you the uh, Hawks fans are going to make a big deal out of it because they did in Brooklyn with the Nets fans counting out loud when Giannis went to the line. Um, how is, is the NBA mishandling this, or do they have to come out with a statement, or do they just continue to let this be a game-by-game thing? Uh, with trying to uh, sweep it under the carpet as best they can. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is in a really tough position because he's breaking the rules. I mean, it's pretty clear. He's taking more than 10 seconds on most of his free throws. 
Um, but they've let him get away with it all year. So how can they come in and they say, now we're going to start to enforce it in the most important games of the season? So they're kind of in a difficult spot. I, I just don't understand why on the last two-minute report that the league puts out after every close game, they're listing that they missed the 10-second calls on Giannis's free throws. <laughs> like, if this is coming out in the, in the two-minute report saying you missed these calls, the refs are going to have to call that. Now, if you watch game two, it looked like Giannis was a little bit quicker. So, uh, you know, he goes through this whole routine. Even before he gets the ball, he's doing fake shots and telling the ref not to pass him the ball. The whole thing probably takes 20 to 25, 30 seconds. Uh, personally, I don't understand why a free throw shooter uh, who is as poor as Giannis is would take that much time. I'd want to get the ball and let it go. But, hey, whatever works for him, he's been shooting better. Um, as you said, when we get to Atlanta – I, I think the fans are going to be all over that. And, and you know, if, if they get to the finals and they happen to be playing the Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul is going to be in the referee's ear nonstop counting to make sure that they call those violations. So I think you'll see Giannis kind of speed up his routine a little bit because this is starting to get so much attention. And just an aside, I don't think even taking that much time would help Ben Simmons. He can't make a free throw to save his <laughs> life. But that's beside the point. Uh, we're talking to our buddy Colin Ward-Henninger from CBS here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, off the court, a lot of coaching maneuvering this week. Uh, I'll give you the team. I'll give you the uh, either guy out or the guy out and the guy in. Tell me if you think they upgraded, if it makes a lot of sense to you. Damn, this franchise is headed in the right direction or damn, this franchise is heading in the wrong direction. First, the fact that Rick Carlisle got uh, pushed out in Dallas and he lands almost immediately in Indiana, where his assistant coaching career started and he's kind of come full circle. What do you think about Indiana being able to grab Carlisle and why you think the move, the, the Mavs moved on from him? I think from, from what I've heard and all the reporting, uh, Carlisle was kind of on the hot seat there, and, and Mark Cuban was going to allow him to start next season, but I think there was kind of an understanding throughout the organization that it was going to be a pretty tenuous spot. So uh, by all accounts, Carlisle was the one who initiated this, said, hey, look, that's not a position I want to be in. Uh, he clearly knew that there were other opportunities out there for him. So, you know, he, he kind of cut bait. The, the kind of the impetus for this is his relationship with Luka Doncic isn't great. Uh, they've had some shouting matches on the sidelines. We know Carlisle has been tough on young players over the course of his career. And I think everybody just kind of thought, you know, hey, this is a good time to cut ties. Um, as for the move to Indiana, I think we were very close to seeing Carlisle taking that Bucks job. If Kevin Durant was a, wore two, size, two sizes smaller, and that was a three <laughs> instead of a two, Mike Budenholzer would be out of a job right now, and I think Carlisle would have that job. So um, I think he'll do a good job in Indiana. Clearly things did not go well with Nate Bjorkren. I uh, completely lost the locker room. You bring in an established coach, a championship coach, to kind of right the ship there. So I, I think it works best for all parties. I'm not thrilled about uh, Dallas's new hire. I don't know if you were going to go there next. Well, that's exactly where I'm going to go. Jay Kidd, who was close to getting the L.A. job uh, when Portland made the move to get away from Terry Stotts. Uh, his name immediately came up, a connection to the Portland job, because Dave Lillard suggested he'd be a good candidate. Kidd kind of shot that down pretty quickly. Uh, according to Peter Vesey, it was because the Trailblazers were going to hire Chauncey Billups, which a week later they did. So give credit to Peter for sniffing that one out. But Jay Kidd lands on his feet, going back to the place where his NBA career started as a player with Dallas, and they hire Nico Harrison, a major Nike exec, to be their general manager. Give me the new power couple in Dallas. You read on them. 
Yeah, it's a little weird to me. Um, I, I, I don't really understand the Jason Kidd stuff. I, I know he's an incredibly well-respected player. Uh, you know, what he accomplished on the court was incredible. But as a coach, he hasn't been great. You know, his, his stay in Brooklyn, uh, he kind of tried to take over there and, and have a coup for the front office. And I'm getting traded to Milwaukee where, you know, he reportedly rubbed some players the wrong way, including Giannis. Uh, he leaves, and then the, the Bucks become this kind of superpower team in the East. Um, I don't get the rush to get him in, um, other than maybe Luka Doncic and he and him have a, a closer relationship where they think they can develop a closer relationship. But even Carlisle on his way out said, hey, yeah, I hope you hire Jason Kidd. The, the whole thing was very strange. And as for Harrison, I know a lot of people have, a lot of organizations have been trying to hire him for a while. I think he has that relationship with players. You know, we're seeing this around the league. The Knicks hired, you know, World Wide West to kind of lead their their front office. Uh, I think thinking outside of the traditional basketball structures is is a way a lot of these teams want to go with the relationships that Nike has with players, uh, their their ability to evaluate talent, to identify young players, and offer them contracts, things like that. That all crosses over into the GM position. But ultimately, the front office is going to be led by Mark Cuban. Um, it just depends on which guys are in his ear more. Apparently, Michael Finley is also going to have a lot of sway, kind of a 1A, 1B with Harrison. So uh, the Mavericks are kind of a mess right now. They fired their coach. They had, you know, all of those issues within their organization in terms of, you know, harassment and abuse and things like that. Uh, they need to get on the right page here. Clearly, they think that, that these are the individuals to do it. But, you know, a lot remains to be seen. And when you're talking about a player of Luka Doncic's caliber at his age, he, he clearly wants to win right now. He's not going to wait. He's not going to, you know, wait for draft picks to come in. He wants to win right now. And, and if they don't start next year with this new group, the clock is going to be ticking for Luka to, to possibly be looking elsewhere. Speaking of outside the box, that would be the Boston Celtics. Danny Ainge steps away. Didn't see that coming. They elevate Brad Stevens to his position, president of basketball, so he gets to be the main moving and driving force of selecting his replacement on the sidelines. And uh, I know a lot of people in the league are big fans of Imi Adoka, who ends up getting the job and an assistant coach at a couple of different spots and was always highly thought of. Is he ready to step into Brad Stevens' shoes in Boston? I think he is. You know, he's been waiting a long time, as you mentioned, to get this opportunity. I was with the Spurs for years, so he's part of that kind of, you know, Greg Popovich coaching tree, which has produced all sorts of head coaches around the league. Um, I think that it helps that Stevens is the one in the front office. Uh, there, He's going to be able to have kind of, you know, a smooth transition of power there um, to the new head coach. Uh, the only thing I would worry about, which is always the case when you hire, you know, a lesser name new head coach and have a, a bigger name in the front office is that if the Celtics do poorly this year, there's just going to be rumors and murmurs about, Hey, is Steven's going to, you know, get the itch to come back down. We saw it with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, who, you know, fortunately stuck with Spolstra and ended up winning a couple titles. So um, I think Udoka is ready for this. I think ultimately the Celtics, you know, by trading Kemba Walker, I think they're signaled that they're willing to push back this championship timeline a little bit. You have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, who are these young, exciting players. Uh, we don't need to necessarily be in win-this-year mode. Obviously, they would love to do that. But I think hiring a, a, a first-time head coach, trading away Cumble Walker, I think those are signs that they're willing to slow down a little bit and say, hey, let's do this right and build it from the bottom. Speaking of uh, the Popovich tree, 
Becky Hammond was seriously considered for the Portland job. As a matter of fact, I read the owner was leaning in that direction, but he let his general manager hire who he wanted, and his general manager wanted to bring in Chauncey Billups. Chauncey's never been a head coach before, assistant the last couple of years. I thought he's one of the most heady basketball players I'd ever seen, but that doesn't always make you a great coach. If it came down to those two, did Portland pick the right one? It's hard for me to say. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled about the Steve Nash hire in Brooklyn, but I think that turned out well. I think he did a good job. Um, so kind of in that vein, you know, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Chauncey Billups, these, you know, super intelligent, high basketball IQ point guards making the transition to coaching. So uh, I, all I know is that with the Clippers, Philip Billups has done a really good job. He's helped kind of transform Kawhi Leonard and Paul George into more of playmakers, uh, having them run basically the point guard since the Clippers lack in that position. I think he's done a really good job there. And as for Hammond, I mean, all, all the reviews are great. I, I, I've, I've never heard any, you know, one bad word about her. Um, you have to bring up the fact that, that she's a woman. And, you know, we, people can say that it's a blind hiring process and we just picked the best person for the job. Uh, but, you know, it, it has to factor in, you know, and eventually somebody is going to make that hire. Someone is going to hire a, a female head coach. Teresa Witherspoon is reportedly getting some consideration in New Orleans. So that could be the move. Um, but I, I think Hammond will eventually get her shot at, at head coaching. I'm just not sure it's going to be this offseason. All right. And there are three jobs still open. We mentioned New Orleans, um, Washington, and Orlando as well. I would guess that the Pelican job is the most desirous one because they got a, a guy who can pretty play, play pretty well down there uh, named Zion. Um, the Washington and Orlando jobs probably not as, as attractive if you can, just give us off the top of your head a, a candidate in each spot that you think is, as of right now, the leading candidate. Yeah, uh, as the Wizards, they've been talking a lot about Wes Unsell Jr. and Sam Cassell and other, uh, you know, possibly first-time head coaches. I, I think that's the right move. Becky Hammond's name has been thrown around there, too, uh, as well as Kenny Atkinson. Uh, Mark Jackson is always <laughs> being thrown around. I'm not sure whether those are serious or not. Um, Ultimately, I think, you know, all three of those teams that you mentioned, I think are going to lean toward a, uh, not necessarily a younger coach, but a, a fresher coach, not one of these kind of uh, people who have been passed around from team to team. Uh, I, I think that the time is right for new ideas, for a fresh perspective. Um, in Washington, I think they have a huge task ahead of them in keeping Bradley Beal, even though he's already kind of indicated that he wants to stay there. His name is always going to be on the trade block. In terms of New Orleans, you mentioned Zion, kind of the same thing with Luca, right? You, these are you have these kind of super prodigy young players who are who are ready to win now, and the clock is ticking on their contracts to make sure. So um, I think a guy like Fred Vinson, who's been an assistant there uh, for a long time, I think he's going to get a good look. Uh, the name Jacques Vaughn has been thrown out, as well as Charles Lee, who's a Bucks assistant. Again, uh, probably a first-time head coach. I know Vaughn has coached before, but I think that that's kind of the move there after having. Stan Van Gundy last year, whose voice was clearly not resonating with these players. And then Orlando, I mean, it's a free-for-all there. This is, uh, I've heard the name Terry Stotts. I'm not sure if he'd be interested in a full rebuild like that. Um, this is going to be a long time until the Magic are good again. I think they'd be better off going for one of these younger candidates. Becky Hammond would be, uh, in my opinion, a good choice there. Kind of give her some leeway, a, a chance to say, hey, look, you don't need to win right away. You can build this up. You can do things your way and build this organization out. So I think that's the hire in Orlando is, is somebody uh, looking with a fresh voice, uh, fresh look on the roster, stuff like that. 
All right, last thing. Um, believe it or not, Team USA is going to become a major conversation within a couple of weeks. Right now you've got a couple of guys like Middleton and Holiday and Booker who are still playing, and it's going to step on their pre-Olympic workout stuff and camp. Um, they pretty much cut it down, and we know what the roster is going to be, but they haven't made anything final yet. They don't have to do that yet. Is this team going to be good enough to win a gold medal? They got Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. I think they'll be all right. Um, yeah, no, looking at the roster, I think, you know, honestly, I wasn't sure how many of these NBA stars would be willing to do this. This is such a short turnaround. You're coming off a compressed season. Uh, injuries are clearly in the headlines. Um, they had a short offseason last offseason. So I think they pretty much had every excuse in the book to say, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out, not to mention all the COVID issues. They're going to have to go back into a semi-bubble they're going to have to be tested all the time. Basically, all the things that they complained about all season long. Um, but if you do look at the roster, I think only Durant, Draymond, and Kevin Love have Olympic experience. So this is a lot of younger, hungrier players who want to get uh, some recognition on the international stage. So um, I haven't seen the other rosters for other teams, but looking at the USA, I, I think they're going to do pretty well. KD and Dame, pretty good start to any team. You and I are in agreement there. Colin, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the game. Of course. Thanks for having me. Colin Ward-Henninger, our NBA insider at CBS, hopping aboard with us on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.